The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. From Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you for listening with us today. I'm very glad that you have joined us. As always, we're going to have a great program. We've got a great guest, and I know that you are going to enjoy it and get some inspiration and information. I want to thank you uh, also for posting on the Spirit of Recovery Facebook page and for liking us on Facebook. You just uh, go to Spirit of Recovery, and there you will find us. And you'll find uh, information about our topics, and you'll find information about Spirit of Recovery. And I invite you to post and like Spirit of Recovery on Facebook. Also, thank you for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community and your Unity community know about us here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. And um, it's great uh, that you do let them know, and I appreciate it. It's great to have our audience growing. I love broadcasting uh, on the topic of recovery and spirituality here on Unity Online Radio. And it's also great to hear from you and to hear what's happening in your recovery, what's happening in your world, and uh, how you are growing in your depths and uh, finding those wonderful connections in your life. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community. We always have guests who are down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative. People who are in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people. And our guests are always bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You know that you can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. Of course, you can listen uh, through your computer. You can listen through your smart device. You can listen live or you can listen on demand. We've got lots of great archives. You can go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash Spirit of Recovery and find um, several years' worth of excellent programs that will inspire you and inform you and uh, give you some good energy and some good thoughts as you work on your life and your spiritual and recovery growth. I want you to know that the Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place, that everyone is welcome here. If you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, if you're the family member of someone who has the disease of addiction and uh, or the friend of someone that has the disease of addiction, perhaps you are in your own recovery as a family member or a friend, or perhaps not, or perhaps they are or are not in recovery. Uh, whatever, you're welcome here. We're glad you're listening, and uh, you're welcome to make a comment, send us an email, or give us a call with a comment or a question for our guest today. Also, you're certainly welcome if you're just curious about the process of recovery, just looking for some information. Um, We're, again, glad to have you listening and glad to have you participating. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity Minister and an Addictions Counselor. I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction, And over 30 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And ever since then, my walk has been an integration of the unity principles and the recovery principles that keeps 
me transforming my life and growing in ever deeper ways. So again, I'm very grateful, delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you, to bring you great guests, and also to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and recovery walk. Today, our topic is connecting to the wholeness within. We know that we are innately whole, that we are naturally equipped with all the inner resources that we need to live. We are filled with life energy, and so we are meant to live with meaning and joy. We also may be aware that whenever uh, physical or emotional trauma, however, thwarts our access uh, to well-being, that that can sort of put a kink in that flow of that life energy. And um, when we get into recovery, what, that, what happens to us is that we have the opportunity to clear the neurological links to old hurts and to connect to that wholeness and to let that life energy flow. So today we're going to be talking about how we do that. How can we uh, release maybe some of those things that have blocked that flow of life energy and uh, how we can let it flow and recover in a very deep ways. My guest today is Teresa Guajardo. She's uh, a mind-body connection therapist. She specializes in trauma recovery and also specializes in LGBT issues. Teresa has uh, been helping people heal since 1993, and she provides uh, both individual and couples counseling for adults and for youth. She has an interesting background as both a licensed massage practitioner and also a licensed mental health counselor. And so that puts her in the position uh, to very uniquely understand this mind-body connection. She provides holistic and integrative services. She has um, a lot of background in working with people in trauma. She has uh, a MA in counseling psychology, again, the massage uh, therapy license and practitioner um, experience. She also has uh, spent time working with children who were abused and with uh, domestic violence and sexual assault victims. She has participated um, in LGBT art therapy uh, groups as the facilitator and, um, again, provides uh, counseling and therapy to people in some really deep and interesting ways that she's going to be sharing with us today about how to heal those places where maybe the life Um, energy isn't flowing as fully. So, Teresa, thank you so much for joining us today here on Spirit of Recovery. Yes, thank you for having me. Very glad that you're here. So, tell us a little bit about what you mean by the mind-body connection. How would you explain that? Well, uh, many years ago, I ran across a book by Candace Pert called Molecules of Emotion. And it talked about the science behind mind-body medicine and how there is no differentiation between this, this mass of jelly that's in our brain and the rest of our body, that it's all one unit, one, one piece. And has, it's, it's completely integral. And, and often we tend to think about, including me, that we had this brain up in our skull and that it affected our body um, and that we could, we could, just if we just thought things that that we could then make them so, and it's uh, we we're a much more integrated being than that, and that there's a lot of wisdom and intelligence everywhere inside of us, and that it's not a matter of this thinking cognitive. I think, therefore, I am brain. If it were a matter of will and and trying, we would be able to do everything that we wanted to do, and we know that it's not that easy. So it uh, really changed my perspectives in the way that I approach things. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's really interesting, and and certainly I think any of us, as you say, would would know there's real validity to that because we can't just will something and make it happen. But what do you mean by there's intelligence in the body? Can you tell tell us more about yeah. that? <laughs> well, uh, this was in my early learning about with the molecules of emotion that that uh, we. Uh, we learned that the the neurotransmitters that regulate emotion, the serotonin and dopamine and and things like that, that they go throughout our entire body, that they they exist in our bloodstream and are distributed throughout our entire body. And they thought, well, why is that? Since all of that stuff happens in the brain, and then they continued to look farther and realized that every cell in your body actually has receptors for 
the neurotransmitters that carry emotion and that you can have more or less of those neurotransmitters on your cells and uh and 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 so that so that when we experience emotions when we experience feelings we're not just feeling it and experiencing it in in this organ called our brain but that we are feeling it throughout our entire body and that's quite a revolutionary thought mhm it's interesting when when you say that because in in the unity um uh philosophy uh our one of our co-founders Myrtle Fillmore this was over 100 years ago uh did uh created healing in her body by spending two years talking to herself and one of her affirmations, and in prayer, so she was in meditation and deep prayer, and saying to herself, they're divine, you have divine intelligence. And it's interesting that, that you're talking about it this way. So it was a, a different approach, but kind of the same general idea. Uh, fascinating. Um, so what beyond, so you read that, the book, the Candace Pert book, Molecules of Emotion. And then at that time, were you already in practice? Were you already seeing some things with people um, that you were working with that validated yes. that? Yes. Mm-hmm. I spent many years working in the domestic and sexual violence shelter movement mm-hmm. and in uh, helping people get free from, you know, a, a lot of hardcore crisis. And... Um, realized that uh, in the healing process, so many of us experience so much trauma within our bodies that we needed to include the whole body and not just talk therapy when it comes to creating lasting change and healing in our lives. And so at that point, I decided to go through massage school and to help really give myself a nice, strong, firm grounding in body work and how trauma is stored in the body and how emotions are stored in the body and, and can be released and healed through body work. And then I used that to put myself through graduate school to, mm-hmm. to get that, that master's in counseling. And so I, I definitely work with all levels when I work with people. Mm-hmm. So when you were getting uh, in the massage training and then when you were uh, as, as a massage practitioner, what were some of the ways that you saw things change for people with, with body work? Um, okay. Often when we have trauma, we tend to carry it in our bodies, we, um, especially if it was physical trauma. So we end up with aches and pains and um, uh, fatigue and um, sleeplessness and a lot of muscle holding patterns that might resemble the things that happen to us. And so by helping a person to be fully present with their body and with their pain in massage or body work um, and allowing uh, t- them to just really see what's going on, um, notice uh, the messages that are coming up and the thoughts that are coming up as these areas are, are having their attention, attention called to it, um, can provide some deep, profound release and healing work. And people will realize, wow, that, was, that reminds me of something that happened when I was young. And all of a sudden there's some grief or some laughter or some new thinking about it as those patterns in the body release, and then it can create lasting change. So what were some of the things uh, in general, certainly respecting all your clients' confidentiality, but in general, what, what kind of changes were people um, able to make when they, were able, when they did release some of this body stress and trauma? Right. Well, they're able to put together how our past affects our present. And this is where I spend most of my time now is, um, is, is noticing that when we're younger and not even just in our childhood, but throughout our lifespan, we have things that affect us. Um, uh, and they, then we talk about the, the, the neurobiology of how things get coded into, um, we might have a traumatic experience that is overwhelming and out of control to us. And at the time, it, you know, we experience fear or confusion. It might be a small T trauma or a big T trauma. And 
um, it gets stored inside of us uh, as a thought, maybe as a belief system, as well as uh, the, maybe the colors and the language and the, the body position and the pain. They all get stored as kind of a snapshot, but they don't get the date and time stamp put on them often. And so then we, um, uh, we end up with these core beliefs inside of us like uh, I'm not good enough, or I'm shameful, or um, I'm in I'm in danger, or I'm not safe, and we don't know where these come from anymore. They just kind of get buried in our life. But when those things become triggered, um, all of those thoughts and feelings come back. And so I utilize a lot of EMDR to help folks uh, process and, and go back in time and uncover where these traumas came from and how to help process them so that they they are no longer affecting our present. Tell us a little bit about EMDR, what that yes. is, how it works. <laughs> EMDR is uh, Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. It was created by Francine Shapiro, and uh, she oh, she's quite brilliant. Um, she discovered it because she would go for walks when she was really upset about things and realized that her eyes would scan back and forth when she was really upset about things. And at the end of her walk, she would actually feel better. And she started really observing herself and realized that there was something to this. And so what we've learned, that was that was a long time ago, and fast-forwarding to the present, you know, we realized that, um, that if we can... Um, uh, open up those triggers. Uh, we can well. We can utilize current triggers, like uh, you know. I just you know. I have an urge to use, or I have. Uh, I fly into a rage whenever somebody says this certain thing, or um, uh, I absolutely hate the color blue, and I don't know why. It just makes me want to get sick. And we can use those. Those, what's going on in our present and then go back in time to figure out where it came from and then utilizing EMDR, which is a, a, um, a bilateral, which is a strange word, it's uh, word, eyes going back and forth or stimulation from one side of your body to the other. And we can actually help to clear the early um, neural networks that were laid down and that get lit up whenever the stimulus comes comes up mm-hmm. i hope i'm making sense <laughs> yeah it makes sense so it's like it's uh it 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 kind of it it opens up that like you said it, it opens up that pathway to to have the actual memory so you can know what happened and process it and and it's not just kind of out waiting in there to grab you all the time Is that- right and and then to connect those neural pathways to the present and to current resources and that you know things are different now and we're okay now and and I don't have to respond this way anymore because now I know where it came from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And it, it really changes some things about the physiology, I think. Does it? It In does. Sense? We can okay. actually, they've, they're doing EEG, EEGs now on uh, patients who have PTSD and patients who don't have PTSD and looking at how the brain changes and you're actually lining up new neural networks. You can, the the, the little the little brain cells can actually grow and shift and change and connect to um, more resources and um, and can let go of those old triggers. So Good. That, Hang on to that. Know, Hang on to that thought. we got time for a break. That's great. When we come <laughs> back, um, we'll, this always happens. My guests in the middle of their best story when we have the break. But we'll be right back and uh, with my guest, uh, Teresa Guajardo, and talking about connecting to the wholeness within. Stay with us. When listeners like you contribute to the Unity Online Radio Network, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support.
wellness expert, Dr. Michelle Robin, on healthy living. In the game of wellness, there's some basic habits that you need to embrace in order to live a well life. In her book, Wellness on a Shoestring, Robin shows you that complete wellness of body, mind, and spirit doesn't have to cost a fortune. Client Eddie Penrice turned his health around with Dr. Robin's Seven Habits for a Healthy Life. I've got to say my body just embraced the change. Besides feeling better, looking better, thinking more clearly. Many of Robin's seven habits for a healthy life are simple and free. She offers tips and shares real stories from clients like Eddie, who've incorporated the habits into their lives and seen the results. You can make this change by being convicted that you will do it. That you don't need anyone else's assistance or help to do it. Make this the year you get healthy. Discover a low-cost, attainable path to feeling better than ever. Order wellness on a shoestring today at www.shopunity.org. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach. Go into the locker room for one full hour with the championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I want to welcome you for joining us here today. Our topic is connecting to the wholeness within, and my guest is Teresa Guajardo. Teresa is a mind-body connection therapist, and she specializes in trauma recovery and also in LGBT issues. And she's talking with us today about how people in general and people in addiction recovery can build strong inner pathways to healing and um, let that life energy that is within all of us flow freely so that we can enjoy our lives with great wholeness. Before I get back to my conversation with Teresa, I invite you to join me in the Serenity Minute to take a brief moment to make that connection with your higher power, to relax and to open up to that presence of life that lives within you. So I do invite you to relax and to share with me this constructive idea. My life has meaning. I learn from all my experiences and share the love and wisdom that I have gained. My life has meaning. I learn from all my experiences and share the love and wisdom that I have gained. And now we take just a moment in the quiet. Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute. And I hope that it was a moment for you to feel that stillness and that presence of life within you. So now I'm back to my conversation with my guest, Teresa Guajardo. And we are talking about connecting to the wholeness within. And before the break, um, Teresa, we were talking about uh, EMDR, which is a a technique that you use, a modality um, that has... uh, 
been demonstrated to bring a lot of uh, good to people and helping them to retrace those places where there may have been early hurts and trauma and or or even more recent ones and let those go so that people can live more in the present not not so yanked uh, around by the past and you were telling us that there have been some studies uh, that are being done now with with people with post-traumatic stress disorder with PTSD uh, doing uh, EEG brain studies tell us some more about that what they're discovering oh, well they're discovering that uh, this is my favorite word now my word of the day is neuroplasticity all right <laughs> the wonderful word neuroplasticity so what that right. means is that the brain is always changing and that uh, the EEG studies really show that, that uh, people with PTSD, um, after the, EM, they, they, the EEG show that there are the areas of their brain that are lit up are, are dysregulated. They are not the typical areas of brain that are lit up during normal memory. And that after doing things like the EMDR and really working with healing and, and creating those, those neural networks and growing them, that... that that you can re-regulate your brain patterns and, uh, and, and to help heal those old traumas so that they, they aren't impacting you in the same way that they used to. It's really quite profound work. Right, and that's amazing. Neuro, yeah, neuroplasticity rocks. It's a wonderful thing. That's cool. If people wanted to learn more about that, is there a particular resource? I guess you could Google neuroplasticity. Is there any... <laughs> particular thing? Yes. Uh, let's see. Norman Deutsch has done a lot of work on neuroplasticity and the brain that changes itself. Um, it's D-O-I-D-G-E, I believe. Okay. And Francine Shapiro also talks about neuroplasticity and EMDR and how um, these early traumas can impact the rest of our lives in a book called Getting Past Your Past. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, yes. Yes. So those are both wonderful, uh, accessible uh, resources that people can look up and, and use. Uh, there are even some self-help techniques in them that can, can help a person really understand that, that we can um, utilize a lot of different pieces of mindfulness and memory and uh, tolerating emotions to help us create those changes in our, in our brains and in our entire bodies um, to, to help us be healthy, whole, integrated people. Right. You know, one of the uh, things, uh, obviously, that, uh, that becoming more and more obvious in modern, through modern science is that addiction itself, substance addiction or even what's called process addictions like shopping or overspending or... Um, sexual compulsion or whatever is it's really a brain disease so how does what you're doing the work you do kind of interface with addiction recovery yes well so often um, when people experience these traumas um, it will set the stage for these unmet needs these these you know, wanting to feel safe. If we have these these uh, beliefs running in the background about, you know, that I'm a bad person or I don't deserve love or or I'm in danger, um, when those 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 sensations and perceptions come up, we often want to find a way to to get rid of them. They don't feel good, and so uh, often we will. Uh, fall into utilizing substances or behaviors uh, to help alleviate that feeling and to give us a positive experience of feeling uh, loved or supported or safe or belonging. And then our neural network then links up, well, when I have this feeling, then I can utilize this coping mechanism to, to, to alleviate that feeling. And then the neural links become these little highways, these super highways of whenever I have this feeling, I have an urge to to use. Mm-hmm. And so it can become just really fixated and difficult to to uh, uh, overcome. Even you know we know in recovery, and years later, those urges can still be present, and it feels like sometimes we're white knuckling those urges, and uh, and um, 
now what we're learning with neuroscience is that there might be other ways to help help process what's underneath those urges. Right. That's fascinating because one thing that people in recovery know, and again, whether it's from a substance uh, addiction or whether it's from enabling, which is enabling, is is an addiction or, or the other behavioral addictions, is that it's, you got to address, you know, the initial using and, and learn some ways to stop that. And at the same time, it often uncovers this whole sea of emotion and, and sometimes anxiety and depression um, are issues for people in recovery. So does the kind of work that you do help people that may already be in recovery to deal with, oh, what's happened now that I've taken the behavior away? Absolutely. There are so many different directions um, that we can take in helping um, a person in recovery. Um, Number one, we can look at being able to uh, tolerate the emotions. So that's kind of a first step that so many of us didn't really learn how to to feel uh, scared or ashamed or sad or anxious. And so, and, and how to manage it in other ways that are uh, uh, more productive. And so those are some of the first steps that we do is kind of build a person's resources, internal resources, and mindfulness about how to work with yourself before your trigger gets to a 10. You know, but we, maybe we can notice it when it's only a 3 on a 0 to 10 scale and and start working with it before it just gets that, to that out of control feeling and you know what are some things that we can do to help help to to manage that and be present with it right what are some things that you uh suggest that people do to feel those feelings and manage them um without it getting overwhelming well, uh, the first step is is uh, is learning how to recognize it when it's still small before mm-hmm. it gets big, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of us are are uh, our measuring device is a little bit off, and we go from a zero to a ten in no time flat. Mm-hmm. And how do we learn? Um, what are the sensations in my body that are telling me that I am starting to feel anxious and or, you know, well, and number one, just learning, is this anxiety that I'm feeling? What is the name of this emotion? And once we can name that emotion, tracing back, what, what are the, the, the sensations in my body that happen when I'm feeling this emotion? Um, you know, am I noticing a tightening in my gut, an increase in my heart rate? Um, am I noticing thoughts of, of I'm not safe coming up? And, and then when I notice it at lower levels, you know, what are, what are some situations where I notice it at lower, lower levels? Is it, you know, when I um, am walking down the street and I notice it at a low level, but not walking down the street at night, which is when I notice it at a high level or something like that. So just learning how to recalibrate our system so that we can notice these things and that we can notice what the different cues are in our system much earlier. And then utilizing, well, is, are we okay at a three? but not at a six. And what can we do before we get to a six to bring it back down? Do we need to do some breathing, some deep breathing? Do we need to call our sponsor? Do we need to take a bath or eat? Um, you know, just so many different things on how to, how to be able to be present with it and to take care of ourselves before it gets big. Mm-hmm. So it's almost in a way like anchoring into the present reality instead of just letting it get huge and boy, I'm triggered back into whatever trauma it was that happened that I don't even remember. Is that kind of... Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Anchoring into the present is a really important piece. Yes. Noticing around you what, what, what's going on and, you know, and something might have scared you, but is it, does it warrant this big thing and can we help bring it back down into what's congruent with current reality? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, um, the the reward for this, I think, is uh, is that we, as, and you said this a minute ago too, is that we get to live life on your own website. And I admit, I used your photograph to uh, put it on the, the Spirit of Recovery Facebook page. There's a wonderful photograph of you um, out in the mountains, 
enjoying yourself, and I thought it was a snow axe, but in the Northwest, we kind of know what that is. But it's a, you told me it's a rock pick. So tell me about that, the joy of living in the present. Tell us a little bit about wholeness. <laughs> it's a great so picture. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's, that picture is a bit dated. It's been out for a while, but I absolutely love it. It's kind of fun. I was out um, uh, hunting for rocks. I love to go out in nature and, uh, and and dig around and pick up things. I've always been done that. It's just a wonderful little meditation, I guess. And so I've uh, progressed to actually digging for things now. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and uh, you know, to... to um, be able to experience life when those 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 moments of peace and serenity and just being in the moment and happy with the moment without the the tension and the fear and the negative beliefs but to be able to actually embrace the positive beliefs about that you I am enough and I am lovable and I am safe and I do have choices and then to be able to go out and and, and face the world with those beliefs is so liberating. Great. Yeah, that's great. It, it, it is. It opens up a whole new world of joy and full living, like uh, right here in the present. And that's really the payoff. That's the point. Yeah. I have, I have a, a, a co-therapist who is wonderful at helping me to remember about that and to help the people who see me to, to remember that. Um, she's uh, in the body of a four-legged, uh, big, fluffy, white standard poodle. Ah. And, and she is wonderful at helping us all to stay in the present moment and experiencing the joy. And tell us how, how does she do that? What's her name and how does she do that? I noticed on your, on your website it says she doesn't take phone calls, though. You have to call you to get... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's not good on the phone. She's better yeah. in person. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, her name is Brooke, and she has been with me since her first birthday, and she is 11 and a half now, and so she's quite an experienced therapist. And uh, she's... she's uh, very good at being mindful about what's going on with her and what's going on with others. And when it's time for cuddling and play, she loves to initiate that. Other times she will uh, lie on people's feet to help them to stay grounded and remember that they're, they're here now. They're not back then, that, that things are different now. She's great for being for petting. And when she's feeling uncomfortable, she makes choices to not participate in the counseling at the moment. She might uh, move away from us and and say, "Oh, you guys are on your own. You know, you you go deal with that stuff. I don't want it." So she's she's quite a brilliant, accomplished uh, assistant. And sometimes people threaten to pay me half when she's not with me. Oh, I see. <laughs> so how do people uh, tend to react to that? What is it, what kind of responses? Obviously, they love her. What kind of responses uh, do they get? What changes when oh, she people works with have them? A t- They have a tendency to really calm down and lighten up a little bit, which is always good. I think that laughter and lightness is, is about healing and um that that takes me on to a whole other thing about trauma brain, but um, that uh, people tend to really uh, love interacting with her. She looks you straight in the eye and and with unconditional positive regard, and um, and it's uh, just a very nice centering thing to be able to interact with with this this creature that that you can trust wholeheartedly, unlike humans who might have hurt us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, really, what, go ahead. People really calm down with her. Um, were you going to ask about the trauma brain piece? Yes, and we, actually, it's time for our break right now. But hold on ah. to that, and when we come back, we will. Um, I will ask you about that because I really want to hear that. So, um, listeners, glad you're with us today. 
We're talking about connecting to the wholeness within. My guest is Teresa Guajardo, and she is a mind-body connection therapist specializing in trauma recovery and in LGBT issues. Teresa's website is connections-mindbody.com. That's connections-mindbody.com. And so you can um, look that up and see more of what she does. Stay with us. We'll be right back. What if you could improve your health one decision at a time? Take that first step and join us each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central and learn from experts in integrative medicine. Awaken to Your Best Health is committed to supporting your personal health through cutting-edge research, education, and practical tips that you can put into place immediately. Make that decision for yourself by saying yes to health. Culture is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as modern popular culture transmitted via mass media and aimed particularly at younger people. But can it be meaningful? Spiritual even? The hosts of Pop Conscious think it can be, and that it can be fun to explore, too. Melena Dawn and Stacy Macris Ross will be your amateur cultural anthropologists, examining pop culture and spirituality every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on Pop Conscious on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. And now, here's Anna. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Glad that you're with us. If you're just joining us, our topic today is connecting to the wholeness within. We're talking about how it is that we can work with our brains to let go of the ways that past traumas may have restricted that life energy and how we can create new pathways to that life energy so that we can live with zest and wholeness. My guest is Teresa Guajardo. She is a mind-body connection therapist. She specializes in trauma recovery and in LGBT issues. You can visit uh, Teresa's website at connections-mindbody, and that's one word, dot com. It's connections-mindbody.com, and learn more about what she does. So, Teresa, again, thank you so much for what you're sharing with us. Before the break, um, we were talking about the, you know, calming down and how um, Brooke, the therapist, who happens to be a beautiful standard poodle, helps people to calm down. And you're going to tell us about the trauma brain. Tell us what you mean and how you work with that. Well, so often when people come in to see me, they are very anxious and upset and they and and just very wound up because they know that they're going to be working on their trauma. And what happens is as soon as we start to think about working on our trauma, our trauma brain kicks in and we start to feel overwhelmed and out of control. Some of the, the trauma material just starts to come up immediately. And the thing about doing work healing from our trauma is that healing is about control and care. It's about time and patience. And it's not about being overwhelmed and out of control. It's the opposite. And so it's, you know, it's about being in the moment and having some light and laughter and, and making connections to these new wonderful resources that can help us to process gently and piece by piece what happened in our past that gets in our way. And so that's what I call the, the trauma brain is it just comes up and that one of the things that we learn to practice and that Brooke is so good at teaching us is about our healing brain and about love and care and kindness. Right. That's beautiful. It's like this, like almost the antidote or creating the opposite energy field in a sense, I guess. Might be one way yeah. to think of it. Mm-hmm. Great. Now, you've uh, mentioned the word mindfulness a a couple of times here as we've been talking. 
What's mindfulness, and do you uh, connect that with spirituality or not? How do you work with that? <laughs> well, spirituality, it's funny. That's one of those words that, that can sometimes be loaded, especially for me. Um, but I've been told quite a bit that I help people a lot with their, their, their spirituality. And uh, mindfulness is about being able to be present in the moment and, and being um, um, with, with a, I think, a bit of gratitude uh, without holding on to the... Mm. Mindfulness is about being able to be present without holding on to the stories about what got us here. Um, it's about, at least this is what it means to me, it's about being able to notice what's happening in this moment and to be able to be present with it, to notice the stories that, that brought us to whatever it is that we're experiencing in this moment, and then to be able to let that go and just be thankful that, that here we are and that it's okay. And, um, and, uh, and for a lot of people, that really is about deepening their spiritual connection, their, their connection to source and to that, that thing that's greater than them, that bigger story that's going on. Mm-hmm. So in, uh, in one way that um, I know that you have framed this uh, in a conversation we had before is that it has to do with meaning. When you talk about the bigger story, makes me think yeah. of meaning. So how do people work with that? If, you know, again, with trauma, how do you, what do you do with that? Because trauma itself, the experience of being traumatized, is, life is meaningless. It, make, right. it makes no sense. So how do you make no meaning? Mm-hmm. Everything falls apart, yes. And, and so often when we're able to go back in time and look at those original traumas, utilizing like the EMDR techniques and mindful techniques, mindfulness techniques, we're able to actually discover that there is a greater meaning to what happened. Um, It might be uh, that it wasn't about us, that it was about something that was going on with another person and we were in the wrong place. And how then can we transform that into something greater than ourselves in our lives? Mm -hmm. What do you see? uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And just creating that greater story. Yes. Mm-hmm. And along with that, what do you uh, see happening with people that do uh, recover at, at the deep level, recover from the trauma in terms of how they, uh, do they have gifts that they give to the other people in their lives or give to the world? What do they do with what they gain from their recovery? <laughs> Well, I think as each of us heals our old wounds and we're able to live more fully in the present, um, it does change how we interact with every other person. And um, there was this wonderful greeting card that I saw that said, um, if you want to change the world, you must first change your underwear. (laughs) Uh (laughs) I just thought that was so funny because Mm -hmm. the real really changed us start from within. And if we're able to live in the present and we're able to look at the things that were difficult for us and that really um, that harmed us and, and we're able to, to, um, to think about them in a different way and let go of the negative coping mechanisms that, kind of, that might have stemmed from it, um, we can provide so much more uh, presence in, in every person that we interact with, be it the person at the grocery store in the line or, or anywhere. And uh, we can certainly help with uh, uh, healing the uh, neural networks of the people that we're immediately with. I think just when we are calm and we're centered and we're within ourselves and we're acting out of our true selves, um, it, it really does have an impact on especially like our children and our friends and family members. Um, with just being able to to be calmer and more present, less reactive. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you specialize in is working with LGBT issues. How does that fit in with uh, your work with the neuroplasticity and trauma recovery? Well, um, you know, people who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. Most of the time, they are uh, they're a foreigner in their own homeland. 
um, with with most groups of people who are marginalized or discriminated against, they their family is a home base that resembles them. It they look like them, they think like them, they they you know they it's it's family. But for LGBT people, they're often born into a family that doesn't look or feel or talk like them. Um, uh, they might be heterosexual or they might be cisgender, which means that, that their gender and their body uh, matches. And so they feel like a stranger in a strange land in their own home, which is where we are supposed to get all of our sustenance. And to feel like a foreigner in your own family, um, we really then take on the the run the risk of taking on the negative aspects of um, uh, who we really are inside. So if we're gay, uh, we really can not like that part of us because it doesn't match. It's wrong. It's not the same as the rest of the, our family, our people that we most closely identify with. And then we can come up with some pretty negative coping mechanisms from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. So one thing it sounds like that with the work that you do with the brain and so forth is to help people re- reframe and open up those pathways uh, to self-acceptance and, and understanding themselves as good, even if they may have been different from their original environment. Is that? Yes, certainly. Yes, and so it's a matter of being able to look at these places where we are, even if um, we believe that we've accepted ourselves now, or but we're still using, we're still hurting ourselves, we're still, um, you know, practicing the, the, the underneath that the negative beliefs are still running underneath, and and so coming to terms with, you know, where did those negative beliefs come from once again, and. Um, you know, okay, well, my family, they, you know, had these comments about me because I I didn't fit with them, I didn't match, and I really learned to believe that I was bad. And, wow, really, I'm just gay, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And so really being able to clear those pieces up. You know, we know that the um, the more adverse childhood experiences that we have, the higher the uh, incidence of... Um, addictions and substances and health issues and um, um, the suicide, <laughs> suicidal ideation or attempts um, there are. And, and you know, there's study after study, the ACEs experiment or study really illustrated that. And so, you know, while we all, ha- you know, we, especially those who are working with recovery, you know, we realize that we, many of us had a lot of adverse childhood experiences and being gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender is another one of those uh, adverse childhood experiences that can contribute to, to our addiction issues. Right. What could uh, families do today uh, in a family if, a, if they were willing to, if they have a child who is uh, gay, lesbian, um, bisexual, or transgender, how could they make a different environment for that child uh, so that uh, it would be affirming of who that child is, even if that child might be different from the rest of the family? Oh, to just love them unconditionally. That is a first start, and to accept that we don't all have to look the same or act the same or think the same in order to be loved. Um, You know, some children can really express these differences at very young ages, and by not accepting our child, we are really sending a message that who they are at their core is not okay. There's a wonderful uh, program called the Family Acceptance Project, and it's out of the San Francisco State University, and they have some wonderful materials and studies that they've done with, um, you know, families who accept their children and support their children unconditionally in in being who they are and expressing who they are at their core really can make a big difference in a person's willingness to to have a family and to have children and to have... Um, to believe that they're going to lead a productive and happy life. 
and that parents who don't support their children in expressing who they are, really um, the statistics go up rapidly on suicidal ideation, suicide attempts, not believing that they will be able to have a happy future um, and not wanting to have families of their own. So it really is imperative that that we learned in, that instead of fearing difference or, or requiring that our family members look and think and act and feel the same as that we do, but just really deeply listening and accepting that, that, that difference can be a wonderful, beautiful thing, even within our own families. Wow, thank you. That's powerful. And so that resource you said is the Family Acceptance Project out of San Francisco State? Or... San Francisco State University, yes. All right. You... And... Go there, you can, it'll, it'll pop right up. Sounds great. Um, our time's just about up here, but I want to uh, say one thing that what you just said is that even if uh, wherever we are in our lives, certainly in our recovery communities, there's a message to us about making sure that we're accepting everybody and loving them, everybody in our recovery communities. That's certainly one thing we can do um, as adults and people that are in recovery. Teresa, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. You have shared so much. Thank you for who you are, and thank you for the work that you're doing. Glad you've been my guest today. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. Great. Thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next week with Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Spirituality into your own hands? Bucking corporate religion in favor of finding your own path? Do you cross the boundary between religion and science? Or between religions themselves? Do you like a dose of humor with your truth-seeking? If you answered yes, you're what we call a holy rascal. Join Rabbi Rami Shapiro for How to Be a Holy Rascal, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Central. Rami and his guests will engage in lively, humorous discussions about what it means to be a spiritual human being in the 21st century. How to Be a Holy Rascal, Wednesdays at 11 a.m., only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Consider these inspirational thoughts from the Quest for Prayer from Unity House Books. Holding a special, loving thought for other people benefits us as much as it benefits them. In fact, in some ways, even more so. Consider, for example, what happens when you wash your car with a hose. What gets clean first? The inside of the hose, of course, because the water must rush through the hose before it can clean the car. So it is when we hold loving thoughts for someone. As those loving thoughts rush through us, they bless us first. It is a win-win situation. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Spirituality into your own hands? Bucking corporate religion in favor of finding your own path? Do you cross the boundary between religion and science? Or between religions themselves? Do you like a dose of humor with your truth-seeking? If you answered yes, you're what we call a holy rascal. Join Rabbi Rami Shapiro for How to Be a Holy Rascal, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Central. 
Rami and his guests will engage in lively, humorous discussions about what it means to be a spiritual human being in the 21st century. How to Be a Holy Rascal, Wednesdays at 11 a.m., only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We know that God is the source of our prosperity, but how do we manifest it in our lives? We simply change our limiting patterns around money, relationships, and health. Then, naturally, our vitality goes up, and so does our cash flow. We start to live with purpose, sharing our unique ability. Join us on Prosperity Power Hour every Monday at 1 p.m. Central Time to claim your divine inheritance. Prosperity for all, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. (laughs) 